0: European Hearts Journal issue at a glance, Volume 39, Issue 18, Focus Issue on Prevention by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lucia. Coronary and Structural Interventions – Novel Evidence for Decision-Making The introduction of stents or scaffolds to stabilise intimal dissections and prevent acute coronary occlusions after balloon angioplasty was a major step forward for percutaneous coronary interventions, or PCI. Although the introduction of drug-eluting stents further optimised the technology, disadvantages remained. First, these metallic cages prevent physiological coronary vasomotion, and secondly, they hinder or even prevent later bypass graft insertions for those in need. Finally, Many patients would prefer that stents would not remain in their heart forever, but just for the peri-interventional period. Thus, the concept of bioabsorbable scaffolds was developed. The first of its class, the Absorb-R stent, was welcomed by many operators and patients alike. However, Recent larger trials reported a markedly higher acute and late stent thrombosis rate with this particular scaffold. As a consequence, bioabsorbable scaffolds are currently only available in research protocols and trials. The executive summary of the Report of an ESCEAPCI Task Force on the Evaluation and Use of Bioresorbable Scaffolds for Percutaneous Coronary Intervention by Robert A. Byrne and colleagues addresses this issue. Following a dialogue with the European Commission, they were asked to prepare a report on bioresorbable scaffolds. Five bioresorbable scaffolds have CE mark approval for use in Europe. Only one device, the Absorb-R, has been tested in randomised trials with this inferior outcome compared to metallic drug-eluting stents. The task force recommends that new bioresorbable scaffold devices should undergo systematic non-clinical testing prior to evaluation in clinical studies. A clinical evaluation should involve a medium-sized randomised trial against drug-eluting stents powered for surrogate endpoints of efficacy. Successful devices will receive a CE mark and must have an approved plan for a large-scale randomized clinical trial with long-term follow-up. Local hemodynamic forces, such as endothelial shear stress, influence atherosclerosis and plaque formation as well as vascular healing as implanted bioabsorbable scaffolds dissolve. In their manuscript, Endothelial Shear Stress of Five Years After Implantation of a Coronary bioabsorbable Scaffold, Patrick W. Sorois and colleagues from Imperial College London in the UK performed serial computational fluid dynamics simulations to examine immediate and long-term hemodynamic and vascular changes following bioresorbable scaffold implantation. Coronary arterial models at baseline and five years were reconstructed through fusion of intravascular optical coherence tomography and angiography. A marked heterogeneity in endothelial shear stress and localized regions of high blood viscosity were observed post-implantation. Percent vessel area exposed to low endothelial shear stress significantly decreased over five years, whereas moderate and high endothelial shear stress did not change, leading to higher endothelial shear stress at follow-up. A positive correlation was observed between baseline endothelial shear stress and change in lumen area and maximum blood viscosity decreased over 5 years. Thus, immediately after scaffold implantation, coronary arteries demonstrate an alterance of extremely low and high endothelial shear stress values and localised areas of high blood viscosity. These initial local hemodynamic disturbances may trigger fibrin deposition and thrombosis also low endothelial shear stress can promote neointimal hyperplasia but may also contribute to appropriate scaffold healing with normalization of endothelial shear stress and reduction in peak blood viscosity obviously PCI should only be performed in lesions causing ischemia. Traditionally, this has been assessed by eyeballing and later non-invasive nuclear imaging, then cardiac magnetic resonance imaging, and most recently coronary computed tomography. All these approaches have their downsides, and thus intracoronary pressure measurements have been introduced, i.e. fractional flow reserve, or FFR the optimal cutoff ffr value for revascularization however is still debated in their article deferred versus performed revascularization for coronary stenoses with gray zone fractional flow reserve values data from the iris ffr registry sung-jung park and colleagues from the asan medical center in seoul south korea evaluated the prognosis for deferred and performed revascularization in coronary stenoses with FFR values in the grey zone, i.e. 0.75 to 0.80 in 1,334 patients. Revascularization was deferred in 683 and performed in 651 patients. After 2.9 years, the primary outcome of target vessel infarction and target vessel revascularization occurred in 8.1% in the deferred and 8.4% in the performed group. Overall mortality and spontaneous myocardial infarction did not differ mainly because of a higher risk of periprocedural infarction. However, Target vessel revascularization was significantly higher in the deferred group, with 5.7% versus 3.7%. Thus, in coronary stenoses within the grey zone, FFR, revascularization was not associated with better clinical outcomes. The higher likelihood of periprocedural myocardial infarction. With revascularization, was offset by the higher likelihood of target vessel revascularization with deferral. These clinically highly relevant results are further discussed in an editorial by Niels P. Johnson from the University of Texas Medical School at Houston in the USA. Besides the design of stents and lesion characteristics, Interventional skills and operators' experience are important predictors of outcomes for PCI. Although this has been reported previously, changing case mix, practice and service provision over the last years may have changed volume-outcome relationships. In their analysis, operator volume is not associated with mortality following percutaneous coronary intervention insights from the british cardiovascular intervention society registry chun xing quok and colleagues from keel university in stoke-on-trent in the uk Determined whether operator volume is associated with 30-day mortality in the British Cardiovascular Intervention Society Percutaneous Coronary Intervention Database of 133,970 procedures. Median volume was 178 per year, with a 30-day mortality of 2.6%. After adjustment... Sensitivity analyses showed similar results amongst high-risk PCI subsets and in-hospital outcomes. Thus, in current clinical practice with substantial median procedure numbers, there is no evidence that mortality differs by operator volume. These provocative findings are put into context in a thoughtful editorial by Davide Capodano from the University of Catania in Italy. A patent foramen ovale might allow a venous thrombus to pass into the arterial circulation and cause a stroke. However, the efficacy of patent foramen ovale closure for cryptogenic stroke has been controversial. Indeed, while some trials confirmed protection, others missed their primary endpoint. Recently, the publication of large trials has changed the evidence base substantially. In their meta-analysis, PFO Closure versus Medical Therapy for Cryptogenic Stroke, Yousif Ahmad and colleagues from Imperial College London in the UK compared device closure with medical therapy to prevent recurrent stroke for patients with patent for ovale using the current data. Overall, 1,829 patients were randomized to device closure and 1,611 to medical therapy. Patent for Armin ovali closure was superior to medical therapy for prevention of stroke with an impressive hazard ratio of 0.32. However, the risk of atrial fibrillation was also significantly increased with device closure with a hazard ratio of 4.54. In patients with large shunts, device closure significantly reduced stroke with a hazard ratio of 0.33, whilst there was no significant reduction in stroke in those with small shunts. There was no effect of an atrial septal aneurysm on outcomes. Thus, in selected patients with cryptogenic stroke and a large shunt, patent foramen ovale closure is superior to medical therapy for secondary prevention of stroke. Guidelines should therefore be updated as further discussed in an editorial by Bernhard Meyer from the University Hospital Bern and Fabian Niedlichbach from the University Hospital Zurich in Switzerland. Finally, this focus issue on interventional cardiology contains the first two discussion forum contributions related to a previously published manuscript entitled Prevalence and Prognostic Significance of Negative U-Waves in a 12-lead Electrocardiogram in the General Population, authored by R2 and colleagues from the Helsinki University Hospital in Finland. Michael Gervin and colleagues from the University of California, Santa Barbara in the USA, comment on this publication, and Hulkery and colleagues respond in kind. The editors hope that this issue of the European Hearts Journal will find the interest of its readers.